Thank God for you, and I'm glad you're here. And God wants to let you know how much he loves you and what he wants to do in your life. He will let you know. And so I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read verse 14 through 16, then we'll read verse 20 through 21. Amen. Hallelujah. Sister Sylvia got stuff she's selling today. She's got the hustle going. Amen. The church hustle, that is, for the building fund. Amen. So save a couple, a little bit of change to buy beef patties. And I think, I don't know if it's banana bread, banana pudding, something. You know, they never get that part right. So banana bread pudding, that, that covers everything, right? <laughs> you know, because I don't want to get it all messed up. So I'm not going to try to figure out what it is. Revelations chapter 3, verse 14 says this. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicean write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Let's jump down to Revelation, same chapter. Let's jump down to verse 20. Verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with the father in his presence, in his throne. He that had an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father, we need impartation this morning. I know what you intend on doing. And I'm so glad that you love us so much that you never give up on us. I'm so thankful, Lord God, for all of your wonderful kindness and goodness and mercy that you've shown towards us. Your patience that you've shown towards us. Today, Lord God, you said in the word of God that signs will follow. And Lord God, if we will believe as I speak your word today and we believe, let the sign confirm what thus saith the Lord. I pray that lives will be changed today, never to go back to where it used to be. I pray hearts will be changed, Lord God, and that, Lord Jesus, there will become a well springing well flowing up in their belly as rivers of living water. 
I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that this day, Lord God, you will do what you intend to do in the life, in the soul of every one of us. And that, God, we will walk out of this place differently. I pray for the power of God, all of heaven, to overshadow us and move upon us. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that nothing will hinder the great presence of God that Oh God, you want to do in our life the work you want to do in our life today. I pray that you remove every distraction even now. I bind every thought that will try to distract us in the name of Jesus. And I loose upon us, Lord God, the hunger, the burden, the desire for more of you. Today, Lord God, we love you. We praise you and honor you. And we thank you for your goodness, mercy, your kindness, and your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. name. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. I entitled this message today, Supper with Jesus. Supper with Jesus. The Laodicea Church is in southwest of Phrygia on the river Lycos, not far from Colossae. It's lying in between Colossae and Philadelphia, the church of Philadelphia, not Philadelphia here. When you hear about, the Bible says, the church of Asia, It's not talking about Japan and China. It's not talking about what we know today as Asia. It's talking about Asia Minor, which is today, modern day Turkey. And so when he was describing the seven churches, he's talking about the churches that were located in that area. And so the church of the Laodicean was a part of that area. There was an earthquake in that area in about 62 AD, 62 years after the death of Jesus Christ. And it destroyed a lot of the area. And the people, the citizen of that area, rebuilt the area. They built back up the area with their own money. With their own wealth. They built back up the area. And so what was once ruined by the earthquake is now an area that's been rebuilt. Strong area. Doing well. They were wealthy. They had money. Because they were able to do what was required. Building back up the place without any help from the government. However, this wealth that they had that was for good to build up this community of the Laodicean caused them to become self-satisfied. They were satisfied. They were complacent. Because they had whatever they needed, whatever, let me change that, they had whatever they wanted. And so they were satisfied. In other words, they were good 
with material things. They were good with wealth. But they were poor spiritually and they didn't really notice it. They were in the state of lukewarmness. We don't understand what lukewarmness really is. And so I, I want to talk about lukewarmness a little bit today so we understand what lukewarmness really is. But before I mention that to you, here is what we need to understand about the church. If the church does not take on its identity in Christ, it will take on the identity of its community. Uh huh. So if your community is just an immoral community, if your community is a wealthy community, if your community is filled with crime, if your community is filled with arrogance, whatever your community is filled with, if the church that is in that community does not take on its identity in Christ, will be in church being like the community. That's what happened to the Laodicean. They were rich in material things, but they were poor in spiritual things. That's what breeds lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is agreeable with our human nature. We don't like to be cold, and we don't like to be hot. We like to be just right. So lukewarmness is something that we kind of embrace as human beings. Lukewarm temperature fits us just right. And so because we're comfortable being lukewarm, it spills over into the church of the living God. Because you don't mind, you don't want to be cold and you don't want to be hot. You just want to be just right. You go to church and you get saved and you start living for God. And you find yourself not wanting to be too hot and you don't want to be too cold. You just want to be just right. So we find ourselves as Christian people being lukewarm because that's what we like in our physical life. We now brought it into our spiritual situation. I just want to be just Right. The world is always at peace with a lukewarm church. When somebody come into the church off of the street, don't know Jesus, they don't want no church that's on fire. I'm uncomfortable with y'all singing and running and crying and screaming. I'm uncomfortable with y'all praying in tongues. But if y'all would just be a little relaxed and a little just, you know, subdued, I'm okay with that. I don't want to come in and it's all cold though. But I just needed to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So the world is always at peace with a lukewarm church. And such church is always pleased with itself. Oh man, people showed up today. They were comfortable. We're glad for that. Mm -hmm. The lukewarm church says, we're not too worldly. Uh, yeah, you missed that. Uh-huh. 
God's church ain't supposed to be worldly at all. And so the lukewarm church says, but we're not too worldly. Make an excuse. We're not just a little bit worldly, but not too worldly. Just a little bit. And so that's how the lukewarm church sees itself. We have our limits with sin. That's what the lukewarm church says. Mm -hmm. There are certain behaviors which us Christians that are lukewarm must give up. But we will go up close as we can to the line of something we should give up. We'll get as close as we can to it without doing it and feel good about ourselves. Yeah, this is a little bit uncomfortable right now. This is why God got to always, when God give you a word like this, Brother Wood, he got to really sit you down. He sat me down Thursday. <laughs> sit down, son. You're not going to work today. I need to talk to you. And, and I need you to understand what I need to say to your people, to my people. And so I want you to listen to me. So he got, he got to get me courageous enough to say this to you because this is not what we want to hear. I don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. But this is what God want to say. And so we go close up to the line. Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah, but you go close to the line. Oh, we don't do that. Yeah, I know. But you go close as you can. You know what that's saying? It's saying you don't do it, but you really want to do it. That's what a lukewarm Christian does. You go close to the line. You may not have went all the way over. But you got as close as you can. But here's the problem with that. It makes you miserable. Because if you're a Christian and you are desiring the things that God says you can't have. And because you want to go to heaven, you don't want to cross over. You get as close as you can. But you don't really cross over. Because you know we you cross over, God won't be pleased. And I might not make it to heaven. So I'll go as close as I can. You're lukewarm. If that's what you're doing. Why make yourself miserable? Why make yourself miserable, Mama Allen? If you know God says don't do it, why flirt with it? Why get so close to it? Why meddle with it but say, I, I, I didn't do it though, I didn't do it though. If as a man thinking in his heart, so you can play with yourself. Can't play with God. So you going as close as you can, but not crossing over, that's for you. And if you want to live that way, you're lukewarm. God knows your heart. And He knows you desire to walk in that unrighteousness. He knows you desire to cross over, but you're afraid because you don't want to go to hell. Here's what we do when we lukewarm. We will not be altogether absent from the house of God, but we will go as seldom as we can. Yeah. Yeah. God had to sit me down and make me say these things. Yeah. I go to church. What is, who is that for? Who, 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 who are you going to church for? 
Is it just to tell somebody, I'll go to church. Oh, yeah, I'll go to church. But you go as seldom as you can. Can't find you on the prayer night. Can't find you on the Bible study night. Can't find you every Sunday morning. But I go to church. Listen to me. We cannot serve God and money. We cannot serve Jesus Christ and the devil. We cannot serve truth and error. We cannot serve righteousness and unrighteousness. We must make up our mind who we're going to serve, who we're going to live for, who we're going to love. Lukewarmness is self-complacency. When you're comfortable, you're lukewarm. When you're comfortable, you're not growing. When you're comfortable, God is not working in your life. Lukewarmness, when you're lukewarm, it means you're insecure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're insecure. You can't hold to nothing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Eh, maybe. You're insecure. You don't know if you should do this or do that. So you just kind of stay right in the middle. Lukewarmness causes great damage. Here's something God really put in my heart. When we, the people of God, get into the condition of half-hearted faith, Tolerating the word of God, but having a sweet tooth for a little of, well, God understands my behavior in this area. We do so much damage. We don't realize our lukewarmness is doing damage as opposed to encouraging or helping or letting your light shine. When you're lukewarm, there's no light shining. When you're lukewarm, you're not being the soul of the earth. When you're lukewarm, you're not being a witness for Christ. Here is something the Lord really put in my heart. Some of us do not intentionally witness the people because we're lukewarm. Hold on. Because we know it's a possibility. If I witness to somebody and they come to church, I'm now obligated to live what I told them I was. Yes. So the easy way is not just to say anything because guess what? Then I won't have to worry about people looking at me all the time like, hey brother, hey sister, and, and, and judging me. Yes. You tell people about God and now they think, you know, okay, this is a person that know about God. Let me, let me talk to them. Let me see their life. And because you know you're lukewarm, because you know, you may not call it lukewarm, but, but that's what it is. And because you know you're not faithful to God like God is wanting you to be, you say, you know what? I, I don't want to be a witness to this person because if I do, they're going to be watching my every move. And so you go around living for God and wanting God's grace and wanting God's blessing. Singer, but not one to represent him and what God died for that we all may have salvation 
And so you want God free love and free blessing and free protection, and you can't just give back. Mm-hmm. And so we don't witness. Because I, I realized a long time ago, being a witness of Christ, Brother D, is the thing that keeps me strong in God. Because I put the pressure on myself to say, live it. Not just talk about it. Live it, brother. So if I go around telling people Jesus is Lord, and I go to church, and I love the Lord, and I'm praying, I'm telling people they need to give their life to God, they got to look and say, what's up with him? And I better be living it every time. This morning I ran into somebody I knew very, very well. Hadn't seen him in a long time. Knew some stuff had happened to them. Heart broke because I know the story. And man, I saw him. Tears came in my eyes. I was just so glad to see him. Gave him a hug. And we talked a little bit. But what I told him that I was 15, 20 years ago, got to still be it today. And so we had a good conversation. And we were able to just try to connect again. Maybe if I wasn't living for God, I would have saw him and kind of been like, I don't want to see him today. Living for God and being a witness will cause you to be right with God. But when you live for God and you're not a witness, it makes you live your life reckless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just think if you've been living, if you've been going to work at a certain place and you say, yeah, I go to church. If, if you tell them you go to church, you don't have to be responsible for anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be responsible. Oh, yeah, I go to church. You don't have to say anything else. And you don't and you and you know, they won't really judge you because you said you said you went to church. You didn't try to act like you was a Christian. You said I went to church. But if you're sitting one day in a cafeteria with them. And you begin to witness to them because you guys both have the same lunch and you got free time. And you happen to be talking to them about Christ. It gets tight. Because now you're going to find yourself, because we're not going to be able to help ourselves. Now you're going to find yourself saying stuff about God. And, they're like, and they start looking at you like, you know all of that? Because you never really act like you knew all of that. You know all of that? Yeah, I go to church. I'm a Christian. And you start saying all that stuff. Now you're going to have to put up or shut up. Now you're going to have to show what you really are. And so some of us don't witness the people because of that. So you're going to let the work of God suffer because you want to live lukewarm. You're going to let what God did at Calvary to save this world. You're going to let that just be something you don't take part in because you want to be lukewarm. Hmm. The Bible says... He prefer that we are either hot or cold. But he's just not into the lukewarm thing. He said, I spew you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. So it's clear that God is all right with hot or cold. Now, I understand why he would be okay with hot. You on fire for God and man, you just living for God and you on fire. I understand that God likes that. But he said he's all right, too, with you being cold. God is so good. 
Why is God okay with us being cold? Glad you ask. Someone who professed to be cold is honest. I love God. He is so good to us. He doesn't have a problem with you being cold if you will say, yeah, Lord, I'm cold. Someone that's cold, they don't wear a disguise. They don't try to conceal stuff. Someone that's cold, they say, here I am. They don't pretend. They say, I'm a mess. As sad as that state is, they're honest. They're honest. This is why the other day when Tom and I went into this nice neighborhood in Hamilton, we were there and I was glad that Tom was with me. I've been doing this for years, knocking on doors telling people we're praying for them, telling people Jesus loved them, inviting them to church, you know. Been doing that for up teen years. And so Tom came with me last Saturday, and he was able to experience it. And he was able to begin to reflect on the life that he lived. Because when you lukewarm, you in a lot of trouble. And the community that we went into, always remember this, Conservative people always feel like they have God. Yes, they, they do. They do. And so we knocked on doors. What you call it, Tom? Manicured lawns. Those are the, those are the doors we were knocking on. <laughs> Manicured lawns. You know, people who race cars for hobby. You know, people who got old cars that they're building up and, you know, trying to make it nice. You know, that, that community. And so we walking around. We walked to one of the doors. One guy walked up to us because in those communities, they watch real good. And so while we're walking up, he was walking to the door. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. We're good. <laughs> oh, he had a sign. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we just kept going and we were just watching the culture and the spirit of this community. And. Every time I go in these nice communities, tears come in my eyes because I say, God, how do we get to them? They, they have built up their fortress of comfortableness. They, they, they have set it up where you, you can't come close to us. Unless you're one like us, you can't come close to us. Which I realized a long time ago, we got to pray that God will reach one of them. If God reached one of them, he'll use that one he reached to go into the community because they have already accepted that one. This is why God will always bring somebody from among us to become the one that will preach to us. So don't you look at people and be like, who he think he is? He was just blah, 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 blah the other day. They did the same thing to Jesus. Jesus didn't do many miracles in his hometown because they said, who he think he is? But that's the plan of God every time. is getting one from among us and train them up, save them, and sending them back. Brother White, my good friend, got saved in a church here in Hamilton while he was living in Newark. He had no idea how God was setting him up. 
My goodness. He got saved. And years later, God sent him back to Newark to go reach that community. You can't mess with God. That's how God operates. He's got this thing under control. You either flow with him or you just be in the dust and just be miserable and then miss out on heaven. But God says, I prefer that you cold or hot, but I can't mess with you when you're lukewarm. Lukewarm is dishonest. Lukewarm is you're concealing something. Lukewarm is you're acting like you're something that you're not. When you're cold, there is hope for you to be delivered. When you're cold, there's hope for you to be converted. When you're cold, there's hope for you to be saved. When you're cold, there's hope, but when you're lukewarm, there is no hope. You want me to give you an example of that? Judas was lukewarm. He walked with Jesus. He prayed with Jesus. Ate with Jesus, hung out with Jesus, but he wasn't living right. He was just there physically. He was named among them, but he was just there. He was doing everything they were doing. But he wasn't living right. He wasn't living up to what he said he was. And for those of you that follow the story of Judas, Judas died in his sin, went to hell. Here's the other one. That was cold. The Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was Saul. That dude was vicious. That dude was going after Christians, persecuting them, and killing them. That dude didn't want to have nothing to do with church, didn't want to have nothing to do with Christianity. As a matter of fact, I'm going, that Christianity thing, I'm going to destroy those people. That's fake. Go destroy that Christianity thing. But when he met Jesus on the road to go to Damascus to go persecute people. After he got the revelation that Jesus Christ is God. Dude said, I got to get my life right. And Paul became the most accomplished apostle. Because he was cold as ice. Judas was lukewarm. Judas went to hell because he was lukewarm. Paul was the most accomplished apostle because he was cold as ice. God don't have a problem with you being cold. But just say you are. God don't have a problem with you being cold. Just just, just admit to it. Act like it. Don't try to cover up. I remember going in the ghetto. Roger Gardens. Some of you don't know what Roger Gardens is. It's okay. And so, go to Roger Gardens. And they will have the dudes out there, Brother Fox, they will be playing dice with the blunt in their mouth turned to the side. You know, don't want the smoke getting in their eye. And they doing this while they're smoking a the blunt. And we'll go talk to them about Jesus. And they will say, I know I ain't right. I know I'm not right. I know I messed up. Some of them didn't choose at that time to get right, but they knew they wasn't right. 
See, cold people have hope, but lukewarm people have no hope. I've been in places where people know they wasn't right. And they says, yeah, I'm not right. But there are places where people think they're all right. And when people think they're all right, you need a whole lot of godly wisdom to reach them. Because you can't tell them, oh, you think you're okay, but you're not. You tell them that, you lose them. They're not going to respond to you anymore. Because in their mind, how are you going to judge me? Who you think you are? Have you accomplished what I've accomplished for you to tell me that? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so, usually when we're cold, God can work with us. But when we're lukewarm, God can't work with us. God can't do anything in our life when we're lukewarm. And that's why he says, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because what he's saying is, I can't do nothing with you. So the only thing I can do is just spit you out. But you know what I like about the Lord? Whether you're lukewarm or cold, he won't leave you right there. Come on, somebody. If you're lukewarm or you're cold this morning, God says, I'm not leaving you there. I am not trying to let you stay in your state of lukewarmness or your state of coldness. I am your God and I died for you and I don't want to leave you there. Does anybody want to stay in their lukewarmness this morning or their coldness this morning? Because if you don't want to stay there, God won't leave you there. God won't leave you in your state of lukewarmness, in your state of coldness. But here is the deal, and we'll get into this in a little bit. I'm almost done. Here's the deal. You, it's up to you if God leaves you where you are. God don't intend to leave you where you are. God desires to bring you out of your state of lukewarmness. God desire is to bring you out of that state of being cold, but it's up to you. God wants to do something in our life today. Hmm. The scripture says, behold, he stands at the door and knock. What he's telling us, if you read the scriptures, watch it. He started out by saying the church was lukewarm. And then we read in verse 20, same chapter, same vein of scripture. We read in verse 20 where he says, behold... I stand at the door and knock. Y'all getting that? He just told them they were lukewarm. He just told them he's going to spew them out of his mouth. But he's standing at the door and knocking. Oh, Lord. I thought you was going to spew them out of your mouth because they're lukewarm. Yes, son, but not before I give them another chance. (laughs) Yes, son, but not before I give them the opportunity. I don't want to spew them out of my mouth. I don't want to destroy them. I don't want them to be lost. I don't want them not to go to heaven. I don't want them not to have a relationship with me. So I am at the door. God has been knocking at our doors for so long. For every 
earnest preaching of the word of God that you've heard that was a knock from God by every impression that God had placed upon your heart that was a knock from God by the quickening of the Holy Ghost that was a knock from God by the moving of the spirit in your life that was a knock from God by the convictions that you receive through the preaching and the teaching of the word of God that's a knock from God not 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 condemnation but conviction and every time you go to church and you get convicted because of what I'm saying it's not me but it's God knocking at your door saying let me in I want to help I'm not here to leave you in the state that you're in I want to help you condemnation is to condemn you with no hope that's the devil Anytime you hear preaching and the preaching doesn't give you hope, that's a preaching of condemnation that is not of God. God gives hope. God is light. God loves us. And so when God comes in and He tells you you're wrong, He then gives you hope. If He tells us we're wrong, I love the Lord. This is why I love Him so much. Because when He tells me I'm wrong, He don't leave me where I'm wrong at. God shows us how to be good parents. And, and, and how is that? Always set the rules in order in your house ahead of time. If you do thus, thus, and thus, this is what will happen. Set it, set it in, in place ahead of time. Don't get emotional when the kids mess up and just lose, blow your top and just go crazy. I used to do that. Just go crazy and just beat them like you're crazy. I used to do that. Yeah. That's what I used to do. Just went crazy. But I learned as I started living for God, set the rules in place. And once the rules are in place, if the kids break them, you don't have to say a thing. What do you, what do you need to say? I told you. If you stay out past this time, you couldn't live in my house. What do you want me to tell you? I, I set the rules. You decide to break them. That's how God operates. And that's how we need to operate. Right? But then we can be like God. And if they break the rule the first time, we can say, you know you broke the rule. So I'm taking your key from you until you show me that you have respect for the time and I'll give it back to you. That's, that's how God does things, right? He's not totally putting you in a place where you have no hope. He's always giving you hope. But he has rules that he has to govern by. And we need to do that with our own children. God told them, you're lukewarm. You're no good to me. As a matter of fact, you're messing things up the way you're living your life. You're giving me a bad name. But I'm still knocking at your door. I still want to help you. I still want to work with you. Listen, God is knocking at our door and some of us haven't let him in and we know he's been knocking at our door. How many of us know God's been knocking at our door and we haven't let him in? Here is what God let me understand why you haven't let him in. 
He's been knocking at your door and you haven't let him in because you are afraid to let him in because your house is a mess. So he's been knocking at the door and you peeped out. Oh, no. Put your head back in. I ain't letting him in. He's been knocking at your door. And you peeped out. I can't let him in because he's going to find out all about my secrets. All my dirty secrets that I've been keeping. Because you know that's God. He know everything. If I let him in, mm-mm, mm-mm. He's going to start walking through my house and says, and what about this? And what about this? Mm, not letting God in. He just got to keep knocking. Yeah. We're afraid to let him in. Because we're worried about him coming in and not being pressed with the way we've been living. Who do you think you are? God knew all of those things about you and he's still been knocking at your door. You, you think God don't know your hidden secrets? You think God don't know all your sins? You think God don't know all the things in your life that's all messed up and wrong? You think God don't know these things? He does, but he's still knocking at your door. Mm-hmm. Who do we think God is anyway? What we think, he's this big, strong God that's judging and you wrong, hell, boom. We missed it. We're not seeing who our God is. He's been knocking at the door. Here is how you let him in. When you look out and see that it's him, Father, in the name of Jesus, the Savior's at my door. I'm a mess. I've done so much wrong. All of my secret sins and everything that is in my life, it's all there. And he, he's getting ready to come in. I can't let him come in on that. So God, will you please cover me by the blood of Jesus and forgive me of my sins? I've done wrong. I've sinned. Forgive me, Lord, of all of my sins for God. I, 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 I just want, I want to, I want him to come in, but, but, but I, I want to be forgiven because I don't want to be guilty of all of the wrong. Just repent. And when you ask forgiveness, you run to that door and you let him in. Hmm. Help us, Lord. Let me give you one little story that you know about. Because it just coincides so much with this message today. God led me there. Luke chapter 10. God desired to come in. And dine with you. He desires to come in and have supper. Supper with you. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 through 42 says, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received them into her house. She opened the door wide open. Come on, Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary. Which also sat 
at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister Mary had left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. The master said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. Key word. Jesus said it, not me. Needful. And Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I'm getting very close. But here this is I close. Mary, Jesus, they had let Jesus into the house. Martha and Mary owned the house. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. That's who owned the house. And so Jesus knocked on the door. They let him in. Because that was their friend. And so they let him in. Keyword, friend. Jesus will sup with his friends. He'll have supper. We'll get that. They let him in. And so now Jesus is in. Martha decided she was going to cook the meal and make sure everything is good and make sure the, the master eat. And Mary decided, I'm sitting at the feet. And we preached about this so often. Everyone trying to figure out who was right, who was wrong. And, you know, what would you do? And. All of these things we try to figure out about that whole situation there where Martha was serving and Mary was at the feet. Martha was serving and, 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 and she was complaining about Mary. Why is Mary not serving like I'm serving? Some of us, we don't realize this, some of us in this church today are natural givers, love to give. You're such a giver that you have a hard time receiving. And so you give, you give, you give. But let me tell you what giving do sometimes. You do that to cover up your needs. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. That's your way of saying we're okay. You know the doors that I knocked on? Those people have need. Oh, y'all don't know? The nice manicured lawn? They rich in money, but they're poor in spirit. They're rich in money. They're poor in faith. They're rich in money, and they're poor in righteousness and holiness. They're rich in money, but they don't have spiritual eyesight. They're poor. But they think they're okay. Because what they've done was they covered up what their need is by. And so everywhere you go, you have people that they're just into the giving. I'm one of those people. You, you give and not worry about your need because you don't want to deal with your need. Mm-hmm. Little pride is in there, and you, you don't think it's pride, but there's a little pride in there. 
So you just keep giving and keep ignoring your need. That is a hindrance to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Then you have the people that just want to, give me, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. You just always want to receive something. You never want to give anything. All the time people say, you don't even give away prayers. If you pray, they got to pay. You just want to receive, receive, receive. That's not good either. And so we're at this point. We're either givers or receivers. And so we're stuck right in that place. Lukewarmness. Because we're right in the place of where we're comfortable. We don't want nobody to see that we have needs and we just keep on giving. And some of us, we not even in the, in the, in the need portion of it. Now, now we in the want section of it. We, don't, we, we want so much that it's not even about need. It's about gimme, gimme, gimme. Just it's about want. And so we're struggling in our relationship with God because when we get with God, we, 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 we either going to get like Martha and just serve, serve, serve. But do you think that God just wants you to serve, serve, serve? We better be careful because we can miss out on great blessings all because we're trying to cover up our need. I'm okay. I'm okay. Every one of us in this church today have need of God. Every one of us in this church today have a deep need. I don't care what, what you, what you have, uh, how you've lived your life to cover over it. I don't care how much you got. I don't care how good you're living. You have a need. You have your need. And so, I need you to go back now. This is where we're going before we get out of here. I need you to peel back the layers that you have just covered over your need. And open your heart up to the need that you have in your life. Stop pretending. Stop acting like you don't have a need. Be courageous enough and say, God, I do have a need. You've lived long enough ignoring the need because you've always given. And so, oh, you know, I, I just like to give. Yeah, I understand. But you still have a need. Don't ignore that. And God wants to help you in your need. And so, Martha was at the feet. Mary Martha was serving. Mary was at the feet. And here's where I'm going today. You mean, you mean and I've had it preached this way. This is what I'm preaching it to you. One was serving the master and the other was being served by the master. And so for years we want to make the whole criticism and who's right. They both were right. We're supposed to serve the Lord and have him serve. That's what relationship is all about. It's not one dominating says, I got this. I got this. No, God 
want us to serve him and he in turn will serve us. Oh, and so for so long, we kept saying, what's wrong with Martha? Why she? No, God was trying to show us a principle and the principle is we ought to serve God and God will serve us. This is why we can't just running around the church doing a whole lot of stuff. You're hiding something. When all this cumbersome work of church is all over you, you're hiding something. You're covering the flaws. Stop trying to do stuff to cover up your need. Look at your need and understand you need God to meet that need. Those of you that have a need and know you have a need and don't have a problem saying I have a need, don't use it as a crutch. You leaving that need open. You don't want, remember I told you a story about the woman that was in the wheelchair for years, for years. And one day they had a service and the power of God moved and God healed this lady. And she got out the wheelchair and was dancing and, oh, and magnifying the Lord because she had been healed. By the time the service died down, she walking around, she realized she wasn't no attention, wasn't a spectacle anymore. She went and sat back in the chair. (laughs) Because the need that she had made her... The spectacle. Everybody had to come. Hey, sister so-and-so. Hey, how you doing? Hey. She was the center of attention every time she wheeled in. So she enjoyed that. So she got healed and realized she was healed. Like, oh, snap. Nobody's going to care about me in my wheelchair. And, uh, slide right back in the wheelchair. So some of us have need. But we don't want that need to be met by God because after that we won't have a story to keep on walking around saying, you know, yeah, I've been going through. This arthritis has just been, oh, so hard. Oh, you know, this sickness, it won't leave me alone. Oh, and we want to keep on walking around saying that because that gives us attention. People are talking, hey, sister, someone, are you okay? So we don't want to be healed. That's a need that we don't want to be healed. And so we hold tight to it. But God wants to meet needs today. God wants to meet needs today. And so let me finish up and tell you what he says. Behold, he stands at the door and knock. And as he knocks, he announces himself. Go back and look at the text. If any man hear my voice, put up verse 20, 320. I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, so that tells you, it's me, it's Jesus. They didn't have no doorbells back then. So he was knocking and announcing himself. That's manners. We we don't know nothing about that. I knock sometimes a ring doorbell when I go out soul winning. And when, when, when I hear them coming or they ask, I say, it's Wayne from the local church. Got to tell them who you are. I remember one time I was down in Willenboro. Lord help me. I'm down in Willenboro knocking on the door. 
And I didn't say I didn't say the local church part. I'm knocking. Who is it? Oh, it's Wayne. Sometimes I'm trying to be smart, brother. I'm trying to trying to be slick. So I, I didn't say Wayne from the local church. Who is it? It's Wayne. Oh, where you been? Open the door. The woman was butt naked. She thought I was her boyfriend. See what happened when you're trying to be slick and trying to help Jesus? We can't help Jesus. She thought it was the dude. She been waiting on to open the door. Where you been? I said, oh, here. Trying to be slick. And I always say it's Wayne from the local church. That day I'm trying to be slick because I'm trying to get somebody to open the door so I can tell them about Jesus. I got to tell them about Jesus. So I got to figure out a way to get them over. It's Wayne. If I would have just said from the church, man, I would have saved myself a lot of. We can't help Jesus. All we can do is what he tell us to do. We want to go do our own thing, thinking I was slick. Lord probably laughed at me and said, hey, you slick now, huh? Like, you can't be slick, dude. Just do what you're supposed to do. Don't get out of what I'm telling you to do. Just knock on the people's door and tell them it's Wayne from the local church. Don't say anything more. And so he stands at the door and he's knocking. And he's announcing himself. He says, if any man, now listen to this. I'm finishing up here. He says, if any man hear my voice. Now, before he was addressing the church, he says, the church was lukewarm. Now he's saying, I'm knocking at the door if any man. Why? Because the church is made up of individuals that's been born again. So it means that if any one of us, he's knocking at our doors, we are the church individually and collectively. We are the church. And he's knocking. And he says, if any one of you will open the door. Hear my voice. Open the door. I will come in. And I will sup with him. He is demonstrating the Mary and the Martha. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost. He is demonstrating the Mary and Martha principle. He said, I will come in and will sup with him and he with me. All right. All right. I'm finishing up. You're going to get it now. When you let him in, you are in the position of hosting the Savior, the Master. Somebody come to your house. You're the host of your house. And you're letting them in to say, come on in. And you are going to feed them, give them something to drink, and host them. That's what Martha was doing. Martha was hosting Jesus. And I will sup with him. And he with me. When you're done serving, then Jesus turned the tables, or you turned the tables because you was the host. You turned the table and says, All right, Jesus, I'm done with my part. Now you go ahead and host me. You notice him hosting you came second? You hosting him came first? Man, God. <laughs> 
Y'all can get this. He says, if you will praise me, I will inhabit your praises. Oh, help me, Jesus. And so he showed us that you go ahead and host me. You go ahead and what you do will draw me. We want Jesus, but we're not doing anything to get Jesus. And Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door, and I am knocking and announcing who I am. Will you let me in? How do you let him in? You let him in by worship and praise. That's all you have to offer God. All you have to offer Him is worship and praise. And so, as He knock on your door, as He been knocking on your door, you need to go ahead, repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness and open that door and let Him in and begin to host Him by bowing before Him and worshiping Him and saying, Lord, I honor You. Lord, I praise You. Lord, I adore You. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Lord, there is none like you. That's how you host him. That's how you host him. You can't give him nothing else but praise and worship. That's how you host him. The third thing you will do when you host him is you go ahead and be a witness for him. I don't know if you remember when Jesus was witnessing to the woman at the well. At some point, he turned to them and says, my meat, my food is to do the will of the father, which was to be a witness. The three things that we need to worry about. This is all we need to worry about is worship and praise and be a witness for him. That's all we're required to do. Worship Praise and be a witness unto the Lord. Be a salt, be salt, be light, which is how we live our life according to the will of God. If we will do that, then we say, God, I'm hosting you from that standpoint. That's how we host God. And God has been wanting to do something in all of our lives. Stand with me. God has been wanting to do something in our lives. But we won't host him. We won't allow ourselves to have supper with him. He want to be our friend. And friends have intimate dinner. You don't have a nice quaint dinner with anyone that you're not friends with or you're not close with. And God wants to come in with you. He wants to dine with you. So you know how to host him. By your worship and your praise. And then he says, and I with you. Then now you get into the Mary's position. And the Mary's position is now that you have hosted him through your worship and through your praise. Now you sit at his feet. Oh man, God is so consistent you study this god that we serve the bible says i'm god and i change not i'm the same yesterday today and forever 
and he doesn't change. And so God, as you host him, then when you're through, you get to your knees, you get on your face, whatever you got to do, you get at his feet and you let him host you. Now that's when the abundance of everything begin to flow because we don't have much to give him, but he has a whole lot to give us. And when we get at his feet, ha, oh my God, I felt him Thursday. You get at his feet and you say, God, here I am. I'm at your feet now, Lord. God will host you. God will love you. He will wrap his arms around you. His protection is all around you. Oh, you feel his presence and nothing else matters. And all of the things that you have experienced and all of the questions that you have in your life, it doesn't matter anymore because I'm in the presence of the almighty God who loves me and cares for me. And now I'm there right at his feet. All knowledge is right there. I'm at his feet. Whatever answer that I needed for anything, I'm right at his feet. He will only tell me the things that matter. Sometimes I want to know things that God is saying, not for you to know. Leave that alone. But you can only know that when you're at his feet. Only when you're at his feet, you will know what matters and what does not matter. Only when you're at his feet can you know confidently the Lord loves me. Oh, somebody. Will you host him and then turn the tables today? Will you host him and then turn the tables? Uh, and tell him, Lord, now I need you to host me. And for the rest of my life, God is looking for people that will host him and then turn the tables and says, God, now you take charge. I just want to entertain him with my worship. I just want to entertain him with my praise. I just want to entertain him and just loving him. Somebody, will you take the time out this afternoon and host the Lord and then turn the tables on him? Will you take the time to host Jesus? Don't do what you've always done. Will you do something different today? I don't know if you want to kneel where you are, stand where you are, come to the altar. But you need to do something different because God assured me that he wants to do something in your life today. But unless you open your heart, unless you answer that door and let him in, unless you repent of your sins and answer the door, God cannot do what he wants to do in your life. Can I tell you this? Ah, listen to this. You know what's absent in our life? You know how we've been saying God does great miracles in foreign countries, but he doesn't do it in America? I got the answer. I've heard other people give answers, but God has given me the answer. You know why? We don't act like and don't think we have needs in America. Everything we go after in America is wants. God don't show up in that kind of circumstance. God don't show up in your wants. And so we're not experiencing things because we don't have need 
And even when we have the need, we disguise it and we don't bring it before the Lord. Guess what? He can't do anything. If you're going to disguise your need, if you're going to act like you don't have a need, if you're going to think that you're okay when you're not, God can't work in the situation that you're in. The only way God is going to work is when you go before Him and confess your need and say, God, here is my need. Not like you didn't know, but I needed to confess it to you so you will know that I know I have that need what is your need this morning if you have none then God can't do it I heard a preacher said this the other day we have great preachers in our movement that somehow when they go to places and pray for people people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost like crazy and God has blessed them to be just anointed to do that and the preacher said somebody one time announced that he was coming Billy Cole was coming and 50 people is going to receive the Holy Ghost when Billy Cole get here and Billy Cole said to the man when he got to the service that night he says I know you're a man of God and I know you know you have faith but it's impossible for 50 people to get the Holy Ghost tonight because only 45 is here 50 people can't get the Holy Ghost if only 45 was in the church well I only told you that to tell you this if you don't have a need then God can't work and we don't see signs and wonders and miracles in our churches because nobody thinks they have a need everybody thinks they're okay everybody feel like alright everything is just cool and so we don't respond to God. And God just some days walk out of the church by himself. He came to have church with us. He came to be with us. And because none of us realize who was with us and says, Master, blind Bartimaeus, he just scream, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy upon me. He screamed. He lost his mind jumping up. Jesus, I need you. He didn't care how he looked. Zacchaeus didn't care what the situation was. He ran up into a sycamore tree just to see Jesus because he had a need. The apostle Paul, when he was blind, he prayed because he had a need. Cornelius, he prayed because he had a need. And all of them, need was met. But if we don't think we have a need, one more time, if you have a need today, why don't you bring it before the Lord because He's here. Huh. He's here. He doesn't want to walk out of here without touching somebody. He doesn't want to walk out of here without blessing somebody. He doesn't want to walk out of here without doing something that you have a need of. God says, I want to show myself mighty and great in your life. But do you need me? Because if you don't need me, there is nothing I can do. If you don't need me, I can't do anything. If you're just going to just just babble and, 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 and not come to me with your heart open wide and say, God, here is my need. There is nothing he can do. As great as God is, as powerful as God is, as miraculous as God is, only if you go before him today and state your need can he ever meet that need. Oh God, God, 
my need today, oh great God, is that I may know you in a more intimate way. My great need today, Lord, is that I can walk with you. My great need is to be, oh God, a real servant of you. My need, Lord God, is that I want to be a blessing to you. My need, Almighty God, is to love the way you love. My need today, Almighty God, is to commune and pray with you like I've never prayed before. My need, Almighty God, is to host you just for a short moment, but have you host me for all eternity? My need, almighty God, is to walk in the authority and the power of God. My need, almighty God, oh Lord, is to be used of you to bless others and to be able, Lord God, to be a witness for you. My need is to see this community save. My need is to see my home save. My need is to see this church be a powerful church and grow and God we will spread out and do the work of God and every person in this church Lord God will walk in their purpose that's my need that God you will speak to every person in this church that they will take their rightful place and come to the knowledge of the truth of who they are and what they've been called to do by you my need is for other brethren to be sold out and to give their whole heart to you and serve you. My need, Almighty God, is that when we come together, we will worship and praise you in a way like we've never worshipped and praise you. My need, Lord God, is to hunger and thirst every day after you. My need, Lord God, is to be burdened to do the work of God. My need, Lord God, is to do the will of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. My need, my need, God, is for you to host me, is for you to teach me, is for you to instruct me today, Almighty God. I pray that somebody will give their life to you, that somebody, Lord God, will give their heart to you, that somebody, Lord God, will say, Here I am, Lord. Whatever you want, that's what I do. However you want me to live, that's how I will live. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah.